You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. throws all kinds of tricks our way every time things are happening. I don't care. Satan's going to throw different tricks at you. Just because you overcome one obstacle doesn't mean he's going to throw another obstacle different this time. He loves to do that. But Peter exposed Simon's wickedness. If he hadn't exposed Simon's wickedness, Simon would have been accepted into the Christian community. He would have become one of them, maybe even ascribing to leadership. Persecution by Satan continues. No matter how you might try to fake it till you make it, it's going to come to light that you're not who you say you are. This is what Pastor Dave is teaching about today as he talks about counterfeit Christians being exposed. There's only so much you can do to cover for what's truly not there, revealing the lack of genuine faith. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Matthew chapter 7 as he continues his message, The Counterfeit Exposed. In Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20, Jesus declares that. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, By their fruits you will know them. What's he saying here? He's saying beware of these false prophets. Beware of these counterfeits. They're going to try to guide you down this broad path. This great big broad path that they've painted for you that you can go down there. All ways lead to God. There are many ways to get to God. Come on with us. There are many, many things that you can do. Many ways to get to God. Instead of that narrow path. That narrow path. That narrow way to Jesus Christ. These counterfeits, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. This is the nature of these false prophets, these counterfeits, is to deceive and to deny their true character. Often they even deceive themselves. They even think they're saved. They even think they've made a profession of faith somewhere. It says you will know them by their fruits. We guard ourselves against these false prophets and we look at their fruits, what they're doing. This means paying attention to the aspects of their life and their ministry. What is coming out of their life? What is coming out of their ministry? What does it look like? We should pay attention to the manner of living, especially teachers. Do they show righteousness, humility, faithfulness? We should pay attention to the content of the teaching. Is it fruit filled, true fruit from God's word? Or is it things that tickle your ears and make you feel all tingly and good? What is it? Is it convicting or is it just always uplifting and there's never a convicting? There's never sin is not mentioned or 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 the H word, hell. You don't mention those things. It just tickles your ear and tickles your fancy. You need to beware, it says. These are ravenous wolves. We should pay attention to the effect of the teaching. Are people growing in Jesus or are they merely being entertained? Where's what's the fruit? Is my heart's desire. 
It's my heart's desire to see that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That you would grow and mature as a true Christian of God. A true believer. And that your fruits would show because your life would change. The way you talk, the way you act. Things would happen in your life that would be different because you would be truly following the gospel of Jesus Christ as best as you can. Are you going to make a mistake? Absolutely. Make a mistake almost every day. But God is gracious and great, so loving that he gave his only son. And whomever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the trueness in one's life. The trueness in one's life because your life will tell people volumes. You can't be sitting in a bar pounding down Bruce saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. It doesn't match. There's not a match there. I'm sorry. I don't have anything against drinking, but there's no match there. I wonder if Philip had any reservations about Simon. What if Philip ever thought about Simon? I mean, he did baptize him. If Philip had any reservations about Simon, my belief is that he would not have baptized Simon. But that's what Simon was good at. Simon was good at trickery. Simon was good at deception. Simon was good at wearing the cloak of Christianity over his head. I mean, we can fool each other all the time. We can fool each other, but you're not going to fool God. You're not going to fool God. That's the problem with counterfeits. You can't always tell. You can't always tell what's going on, whether you're getting the full truth from them. But as time passed, Simon fruit, Simon's fruit appears. Simon's trueness comes out, and that's what usually happens. As time goes on, the truth comes out. Simon is exposed. The counterfeit is exposed. In Psalm 10, verse 2, it says, The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plot which they have devised. I love it. This is just what happens to Simon. This is just what happens to Simon in verses 14 through 17 now. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The fact is they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. A lot has been said about this. A lot has been drawn on it. But the main fact is, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen upon them yet. It is commonly acknowledged that when a person is baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, that he calls Jesus Lord. No man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Scripture says. The moment a person receives Jesus and is baptized, the Holy Spirit lives in their lives. We know that you cannot receive Jesus without receiving the Holy Spirit in your life. The people in Samaria believed they were baptized in water, and yet the apostles came down so that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for it says they hadn't fallen on them yet. We have to look at the Greek prepositions here. We had this study back when we studied uh, Acts 1, verse 8. We had this study again. We have to look at the prepositions. There's three prepositions used with the three different experiences of the Holy Spirit that I find in Scripture. In John 14, 17, Jesus declares, For he, the Spirit, is with you and shall be in you. The Greek prepositions here, with is para. He is with you before salvation. The Spirit has come into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. He's with you. He surrounds you. He's convicting you. That's the with 
experience, para. When you become saved, when you become born again, when you accept Christ into your life, he comes in you. It's the indwelling. That's where you get the word in. He will be with you and he will be in you. But then there's a different preposition in Acts 1 verse 8 when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. It's the word epi. It's the upon experience. It's the power. It's the power for service. It's what we do when we, when we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, be ye being filled. Now, why does he say that? Some people say it's because we leak. And we need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I see that in the book of Acts. I see that constantly in the book of Acts. Peter gets beat up by the council and he goes home. And what does he do? He prays for more boldness to go back out. The Holy Spirit comes back down and he goes back out. The upon, the falling upon experience of ministry, of service for Christ, of living for Christ, cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. We do receive the Holy Spirit when Christ comes into our lives, but there's an empowering experience that's different, that comes into our lives when we are endued with God's power as the Spirit comes upon us. He anoints us for service. He anoints us, and that's what I see happening here. They had received Jesus. They were baptized, so obviously the Spirit was in them but they had not been empowered by the Spirit to do what they needed to do, for he had not yet fallen upon them. Plus, I think the, the apostolic power, Peter and, and, and John, came down to prove one thing to the Samaritans. Remember who the Samaritans were. They were the red-haired chip children. They were the ones, the dogs, the ones that nobody wanted to deal with. They were the, they were the inbreds, the half-breeds. Ah, we don't want anything to deal with them. But when they accepted Christ... They all became one with the true Jews. So Peter and John go down there. These apostolic figures go down there to basically say, you guys are all one of us now. We're all together. You're brought back. God has brought back what was divided together. God brought order out of disorder. There was disorder between the Samaritans and the Jews. There was disorder. God brings it back into order by these guys coming down there and says, it's okay. Simon sees this act of the Holy Spirit, and he goes, whoa, I want that. That's what Simon wants. I can add that to my bag of tricks, and whoa, will I be popular. Man, I'm going to bring those guys back to me in verse 18 through 19. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. See, power had been Simon's all-consuming addiction. It's what he wanted. Sometimes we get in the same problem where we want this power. He wanted the power so badly he was willing to pay for it. Simon wasn't asking for the Holy Spirit to serve the Lord. He wasn't asking for the Holy Spirit to get to know God better. He was asking for the Holy Spirit for one and one reason only, so he could give it to others and charge them for it and make a profit off of it. He wanted power and authority. He wanted to look good before the people. He wanted to be somebody again so badly that he offered them money. It's interesting that you can do a word study on the word simony, S-I-M-O-N-Y, simony. It means the buying and selling of church offices for privilege. It was very, very popular back in the Middle Ages in that time. In fact, it's been said that many popes even bought their way into the papal. Papal see? Papal see? To becoming a pope. That simony, they, they, they bought their way in. In fact, you remember Martin Luther? He was mad at the indulgence. That's what the indulgence were. They were simonry. They were trying to buy and sell these things so they could build St. Peter's Cathedral. They were trying to do these things. It was a part of simony. 
And this started the Reformation Act because of this. Does it still happen today? Simon tried to obtain spiritual power in order to promote himself. Anytime we seek spiritual abilities or power to put ourselves forward, we're making the same error as Simon did. Preaching to gain recognition of oneself is simony. Seeking spiritual gifts for the promotion of oneself is simony. Seeking to be godly so other, things you're, other people will think you're more spiritual is simony. And it's dealt with severely. Look what Peter says to Simon in verses 20 to 23. Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this manner for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Ouch. If you're around children, you know what Peter's saying. Peter's looking at Simon and going, busted. You're busted, Simon. Peter's response to Simon was firm, but it was truthful. Peter's words shows Simon's true problem. He had neither portion in the matter or part in the matter. Peter gets right to the issue. He says, Simon, you've got a heart problem. Your heart is not right with God. Peter accused Simon of being poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity, and the original words here imply captivity. He's saying, Simon, you're a prisoner of your own sin. You're in bondage. But Peter offers Simon hope. Peter offers Simon forgiveness. He offers Simon the hope of salvation. What does he say? Repent of your wickedness. Right there, the grace of God comes right into the middle of this disorderly thing and brings order to this confusion when Peter gives Simon a way out and says, repent. I love that. He didn't leave him hanging. He didn't say, be gone with you, Simon. I'm through with you. I don't want any more part of you. He gives him an out. He gives him an option. Repent. Repent of this wickedness. It's interesting that Simon is more lost than we might have been or are. We might be facing the same issue right now today. A matter of our heart. A matter of our heart and God. The only solution to get your heart right with God is repentance. It's never changed. It's always repentance. It's never changed. When the church of Ephesus left their first love, left their first love, Jesus told them to repent and do their first works. See, it's still the same. If you've gotten away from God, if your life has become confusing, if your life has become morally challenged and, and you're out there doing your own thing and there's totally disconfusion, it's the same answer. Repent and do your first works. What are your first works? You believed in Jesus Christ. You became born again into a living hope. Do your first works and come into the kingdom naturally. Come into the kingdom through the Spirit of God. And be born again, again. Whatever it takes, repent. Even through all this, Simon has shown the grace of God. Isn't that wonderful? God's grace is so wonderful. Here, Simon is God's enemy. Simon is trying to make a mockery out of the Holy Spirit, and God is still offering him grace. Still offering him grace. I believe in all my heart. And I know why it happened, and I know why he did it, and I know all the things about it, but I truly believe. I truly believe when you look at the grace of God that if Judas Iscariot had crawled to the foot of that cross and asked Jesus to forgive him while he was on that cross, he would have been forgiven. 
I truly believe that. God's saying, Simon, repent. Simon, come back. Come back to me, Simon. Now, Simon's response leaves us kind of scratching our head. Verse 24, he says, Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you have spoken may come to me. Uh, Wrong answer, Simon. His response here is not encouraging. He is more concerned about avoiding judgment than he is getting right with God. There's no evidence that he ever repented or even sought forgiveness. In fact, history says that Simon went on to be very, very big in the the Gnostic movement. He went on to be very, very big in the Gnostic movement, which is the, the doctrine of salvation by knowledge. Salvation by knowledge. Gnostics were people who knew, and their knowledge at once constituted them to be a superior class of beings. And these represented the future status of essentially different from everybody else, but for whatever reason, they didn't know. What can we learn from this? What can we learn from all this that we studied here? Well, first of all, we see the astonishing effects of the gospel. We see the astonishing effects of the gospel. It's able to bring order into a confused situation. We see the truth of God as it changes lives and it frees people from the bondage of sin. We see that God can take one person and influence an entire culture for Christ. We see that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the power of God to salvation, healing can come to needy people, and they can be fulfilled with great joy. We see that men and women who seek after God can be given a divine power right where they are, right in the midst of their lives. And we can learn that spiritual power cannot be bought. It's the pursuit of God that leads to holiness, the pursuit of God that leads to maturity. Philip Philip and his power came simply from the fact that he loved Jesus, pure and simple parent. That's where Philip's power came from. We learned that we need to check our hearts. We learned that we need to examine ourselves on a daily basis to see if we're in the faith. We need to question, do we believe what we believe? Why do we believe it? We need to question these things about it. We learned that there are counterfeits that claim to be Christians and they're not. We learned that although these counterfeits do exist, our job is to follow Jesus. Peter was not accusing John of being a counterfeit by any means. Don't get the wrong impression, but there's a similarity here. At the end of John, when Peter's been restored, when Peter's been restored after, you know, after he uh, denied Jesus and he's been restored at the end of John, Peter looks at the apostle John and basically asks Jesus, what about him? After Jesus has been dealing with Peter for all this time, Jesus said to Peter, what is it that he should live until I return? You follow me. In other words, don't worry about the person sitting on the right of you. Don't worry about the person sitting on the left of you. You follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. It's a personal relationship. It's you and Jesus. And it's wonderful when there's more of you there, but it's all between you and Jesus. It's your salvation that counts. Don't be sitting there thinking, I wish such and such was here. This message is for them. No, this message is for you. This message is for you. You follow Jesus personally and fully with your whole heart. Don't get hung up on what somebody else is doing, what somebody else is saying. We learned that people can come so close to salvation and still not be converted. We learned that the conversion is a matter of the heart. Simon heard the gospel. Simon saw the miracles. Simon gave a profession of faith in Christ and was baptized, but yet it appears that he was never really born again. 
Now, only he knows and only the Lord knows. We really don't know. We really do not know. I told you what history says about him, but we don't know. He'll be known by his fruits, I guess. But he was one of Satan's clever counterfeits that Satan threw at the early church. Satan throws all kinds of tricks our way every time things are happening. I don't care. Satan's going to throw different tricks at you. Just because you overcome one obstacle doesn't mean he's going to throw another obstacle different this time. He loves to do that. But Peter exposed Simon's wickedness. If he hadn't exposed Simon's wickedness, Simon would have been accepted into the Christian community. He would have become one of them, maybe even ascribing to leadership. Persecution by Satan continues. Peter and John return to Jerusalem, and as they're going, they're preaching the gospel in Samaria from village to village. And the revival continues. And God's word is spread throughout the Samaritans. And a new, new church just expands and explodes on the scene as more and more people are at it daily. It says in verse 25, so when they had testified and preached the word to the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Satan, again, is foiled in his attempt to slow down the early church. Satan is foiled and his attempt is done. But he's not going to give up. He's going to continue to fight. Nothing can stop the word of God. Nothing can stop God's word from going forth. God is looking for someone to want to call his word out. God is looking for someone who is real in heart and wanting to be able to stand up and say, Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and the life. I don't care what you say. This is what the scripture says, and I believe this to be God's word, and it's true. We need to be the proclaimers here. We need to be the ones proclaiming this. Let me ask you a few things as we end here. Is your life full of confusion? Is your life, are you sitting here today before me and your life is just so full of confusion that you're not really sure which way you can turn? God is not the order of that confusion. God is not the order of that confusion. And God wants you to turn to Him and cry out to Him and He will restore order in the midst of that confusion. Maybe you haven't made that true profession of faith. Maybe you've been playing church all this time. Maybe you've been outed. Maybe you've been busted. And it's time to get right with God. Time to to declare Jesus as Lord. Repent of your sins. Ask for forgiveness and be born again. Maybe that's time today. And maybe you think, maybe, maybe you're back there questioning whether you really did it 20 years ago or whether it ever happened. Well then, Forget all the questions. Do it now. Don't let any question remain in your mind. Do it today. Don't let anything hinder your walk with God. Check your heart. Check your heart. Are you in the faith? What is it you're following? Are you following what Simon was following? Miracles, powers, signs, wonders, tickly feelings, goose pimples. What are you following? Are you following the true Jesus Christ, the biblical Jesus Christ, found in these pages right there? What are you following? Where's your heart? You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave has been making his way through the book of Acts, an exciting adventure into the beginnings of the Christian church. These first few days, weeks, months, and years of the Christian ministry were filled with much faith and courage. In fact, the very first martyrs were mentioned in this book. It was an interesting time in history for sure, and just like today, some people were eager to hear about Jesus, and others were looking to put those down who follow after him. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about today's message? We'd like to hear about it. Would you give us a call? Let us know how this message has impacted you. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that number is 609-884-5821. If you're in the Cape May area, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, and we'd like to get to know you and worship God together this weekend. Check out AssureHopeRadio.com to find out service times. Again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. And if you can't make it in person, we stream our services live to Facebook and YouTube. Just look for the links at AssureHopeRadio.com. That's all the time we have for today. But we hope you'll join us again on the next edition. Pastor Dave will continue on in the book of Acts, helping you understand and appreciate this great book here on Assure Hope.